Hey everyone, Pastor Matt here. You are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Canton. Our prayer is that the Word of God would both transform you and equip you to live a life unleashed for the glory of God. Our desire is that this content would not be a substitute for your regular gathering with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Instead, that it would be a supplemental boost to encourage you as you seek to follow Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now grab your Bible and let's jump into Scripture together. Take your Bibles and turn to... We're going to be in two places, but to start, I want you to turn to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. And at the very end of Matthew 28... Verses 18 through 20, we have a passage of scripture that to those who have spent even a fragment of time in the church, we've probably heard this passage read. Verses 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, them being his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Over the last few weeks, we have looked at how Jesus gave his followers a disciple-making way of life. We've looked at The reality that we can be really distracted by a lot of good things and in the process of that, miss what is best. We've looked at the reality in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that loving God must motivate everything else we do. And as we continue over the next several weeks on this journey of seeking to understand as the church, what is it that motivates, but also practically, what does it look like for us to be a people on mission, not just to gather and receive or consume, but to go, and not just go, but rather as we are going, to proclaim this hope that we profess together. The the same hope that we professed as we took communion, the same hope that we celebrate as we hear stories about how God is working around the world and in our homes. The same hope that we easily can say, I recognize, I believe this, and yet somehow still struggle to know what it looks like to share that with those in the circles that we that we dwell. And yet all of what we have talked about leading up to this period in time to this place makes clear that you and I have all the tools that we need at our disposal. Now, I don't know uh, how many of you, I'm just curious, how many of you enjoy kind of handyman, do-it-yourself type projects? Put your hands up. Don't leave me hanging. I enjoy this a lot. How many of you, this is an honest, honest question here, how many of you struggle 
When you feel like you don't have the right tool, you struggle to ask to borrow it from someone who does have it. It's interesting, there's a lot more hands that went up that time. In fact, how many of you would go out of your way to go buy the tool for yourself so that you didn't have to? Yeah, people real quick that time. Isn't it interesting that how we approach this, somehow it impacts who we are and how we approach even the things related to spirituality. That I would rather just kind of sit back and try to figure this out myself. Than to look and see what tools do I have at my disposal. Not only the tools that I may have readily available, but the tools that exist around my circle of influence that God may have already given me and I just don't even realize it. You see, that's one of the beautiful pictures that exists when we understand the church to be what the church biblically is called to be. Is that every one of us, according to 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, is uniquely gifted by God. And we cannot function as the church apart from one another. And that isn't just true of the church here in Fulton County. It's true of the church globally. In fact, you and I together only represent a small fragment of the image of God. Have you ever thought about that? That the image of God is for all peoples in all places, which means made in the image of God is every people in every culture. And apart from having all, we lose the entirety of the image of God. And so if we become narrowly focused or discouraged from carrying out this mission that God has given us, we miss a blessing of having a front seat to the work God is already doing. Because the amazing truth is, God does not need you and I to accomplish His purposes. Rather, He has chosen to give us an opportunity, not just to experience who He is, but to actually participate in what He's already doing. It's exciting. It should be exciting to us. And this call in Matthew 28 tends to be the pointing place where we go, Jesus told His disciples, as, I, as He's getting ready to leave the earth, This is not it. What you have seen happen is not it. Now go and do. You've seen the example in me. Now go and do. But the question still remains for you and I. What does this look like to live as a follower of Jesus who invites others to follow Jesus? We tend to be looking for answers and I want to show a brief video. And if you were part of our training a couple Saturdays ago, you you have to just be... Be quiet, because you're already going to know what what you're going to be looking for here. But I want you to pay attention, all right, to the video and the prompts and see what you observe, okay? Here it is. How many? Watch in the middle. So this is actually a commercial for like watching for motorcycles, but 
Isn't it interesting that sometimes the answer to your question is hidden in plain sight? It's right in front of you. You're just too distracted to actually see it. And see, sometimes, and I would argue oftentimes, in the midst of this culture today, we are so busy with a whole host of things that we miss the opportunities that exist right in front of us to live out this very command to go and make disciples. And oftentimes, if you were to ask someone, what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus who invites other people to follow Jesus? Here's some answers that might come about. Well, invite people to church. Become a pastor or a missionary. Be a radical gospel-sharing evangelist. You know, somebody who stands on the corner and preaches the gospel. All of these things can be good things. And yet, what if, what if we are already in potential disciple-making relationships without even knowing it? What if it's already right in front of us? We're just too distracted to see it. What if what we are called to as the church is right in front of us and we are just too blinded by other things to pay attention? This is sets the tone for what the next really six weeks are going to look like for us, okay? <clears throat> because my desire is for you to be able to recognize it's not complicated. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not complicated. How many of you, even though you can say it's not complicated, still go, it feels kind of hard. We do, right? We do. We recognize and we go, this, this seems difficult. And most of the time what I encounter is there's people who go, I, I kind of like just coming to church. And Matt, I, I kind of like, can we just pay you to do the rest? And I go, not unless you want a very, very, very small fragment of what church is called to be because i'm one person called and placed on the same mission as every single one of you the question is what does it look like for us to follow jesus and invite other people to follow jesus with us everyone say with us that's an important key with us together so i want you to write this down some of you are going oh no math <clears throat> this won't be a, a complicated one. And we're, over the next six weeks, going to look at just a biblical formula for disciple making. This is not some new, out there thing. It's just a visual for you to answer the question, what does it look like for me to follow Jesus and invite others to follow Jesus with me? And in that first slot, I want you to write these two words. Okay? T.W. And we're going to unpack what that is exactly. One of the things I love to do sometimes if I'm sitting in a smaller group is ask them, okay, based in our spiritual repertoire, what do you think TW stands for? And a lot of times you get responses like the word or the way, all right? If you've been through any of the disciple-making trainings, you already know the answer to this. Um, but I love getting responses like that. And it's kind of like if you are not up to date on the modern day text lingo and you send an acronym that you really don't know what it means, don't do that. It could be dangerous. Okay? There's, a, there's actually a story of a, a lady who thought that uh, LOL meant lots of love. And you can imagine the circumstances she would put herself in by ending text messages meant for certain things. It's putting LOL. 
and not being a funny moment, okay? But in this, TW, when we think of this, stands for time with. Everyone say time with. I want you to turn to Proverbs 27. And this is going to be at the heart of what we look at today. We're, we're just going to look at one verse in Proverbs 27. This is another verse that many people within the Christian circle could quote to you. And yet we don't often pause to consider the implications of what this is saying. Now, in the book of Proverbs, um, you go ahead and turn to 27. But to understand what's behind Proverbs as a whole, we always can go back to the beginning of these writings to understand what is the context. And uh, I'm just going to read in chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, it gives this context of which we're going to see Proverbs 27 in the midst of. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight... To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the purpose, the whole purpose behind Proverbs is that people, really Solomon's writing this, that it might equip and help people understand a wisdom that is from God and not merely of the earth. And so when we get to Proverbs 27 and verse 17, it says, iron sharpens iron. Can you finish it? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Or iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Now, when we read this right off the cuff, you get this image in your head. This image of how you would sharpen a blade. And you could just picture it. The chinking sound that takes place. And if you are doing it fast enough or hard enough, there may be actually a visible Reaction to that sparks may actually come and for the purpose of sharpening itself. Now, a question that I would ask us to consider is in this simple verse, what is implied about a sharpening process? Well, I want to give you just three observations when we think about iron sharpening other iron sharpening iron. Being the image picture of how we are called to sharpen each other in a disciple-making way of life. The first observation we can make is that sharpening requires presence. You cannot sharpen a knife if you imagine a piece of iron. You're just going to look really weird, right? It requires that there be presence Together, in the same way that you and I can be really prone to believe that our social digital interactions with one another suffice. And yet it doesn't take long for us to realize that there is something different about being present together. Even in the modern day of technological advances, it is a wonderful thing that we can get on a video screen and talk to people all over the world. And yet, 
it's just different when we're present together, isn't it? We experienced this for five years as we lived in Oregon State while all of our family is back here in central Illinois. And Christmas mornings via a video screen is not the same. Why? Because presence matters. The same is true when you and I stop and consider, how do I live as a follower of Jesus who invites other people to follow Jesus with me? It starts by realizing I cannot make disciples if I am not present with other people. Now, some of you in your personalities may go, Matt, I am an introverted person. Being around people wears me out. And to that I would say, I hear you. I am one of those people. And yet, it does not change the fact That to carry out the mission God has given us in Christ, we are called, as we are going to invite people into those spaces with us, and be present together. In fact, Paul encourages, is excited as he's writing the church in Rome. He says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may... Be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Another translation of this says, when we come together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. How do we do that? How do we approach this way of life, sharpening one another? We're present with one another. We're present through the ups and the downs. We're present through... The good and the bad. It's why I say that marriage has the opportunity to be one of the most visible representations of the gospel on earth. Because a biblically healthy marriage is when two people commit to giving all of themselves to the other person unconditionally. And I'm going to, it shouldn't be uh, this crazy thing. Wondering for us to go, if there is a marriage without presence, there's not really a marriage. If I say I'm married, but I'm never home, I'm not really married, am I? And so, in the scope of thinking about this, I want you to pause and consider where you are present with other people. Because that's a place, whether you realize it or not, That's hiding in plain sight where you are sharpening something. What is it? The second observation we can make in this this wisdom statement, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another, is that sharpening requires friction or energy. If, If I am a person who is trying to sharpen something, and I have the presence of two things, but I don't actually connect them together, what am I doing? Nothing! Right? Now, to illustrate this further, and this idea of time with, uh, there's a Greek word that describes this, and it's the word diatribo. Everyone say diatribo. Okay? And to di- diatribo in Scripture is to rub through. It's to rub through or translated time with. It's, it's both. It's time with for the purpose of rubbing through or rubbing deep. So I want you to, to put your hands up like this and I want you to just do this motion. Okay? Are you accomplishing anything? 
No, now I want you to put your hands together. And I want you to rub your hands together. What's happening? Heat. Friction. Now, if I told you to keep doing this for the rest of the sermon, what would happen? Someone said fire. (laughs) I hope not. I hope that's not what happens. But you would probably get tired. You'd probably get wore out. And there is an observation we can make about spending time with people that when we spend intentional time with people in disciple-making relationships, there's going to be times when you are beat down and absolutely exhausted. In fact, we see this in the life of Jesus, where Jesus takes intentional time to step away from the crowds of people. But why? What did he do when he stepped away? He prayed. He spent time with the Father to replenish, and then he stepped back in to the presence of people. Iron sharpening iron creates friction. It creates, at times, a tension. And that's going to cause, at times, you to struggle. And it be challenging and difficult. There's going to be times where we as a church go, it would be a lot easier if we weren't trying to rub and sharpen one another. You are correct, because this is where biblical concepts of accountability and discipline come in. This is where we can recognize in James chapter 1, as he's thinking about the trials that are going to come on a people as they face persecution for their faith. And he says, count it all what? Joy when you face trials. Why? Because the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, perseverance. And this must have its work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You see, the more we sharpen one another and rub against one another... If we're doing it in light of what Christ has already done for you and I, the sharper we become. And disciple making looks just like that. Who is it that's right around my circle of influence that I can rub against for the purpose of us both following Jesus better than we are today? The third observation that we see in this, that we can go iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another, is it takes Time. If you sit down and you try to sharpen a knife against iron and you go one pass across, is it sharp? Not unless it was already sharp. It takes time. It takes patience. Now, some people, as soon as they hear that, they say, well, how much time? Well, it may take years or it may take minutes. We don't know. And when we stop and we think about that, I want to tell you a story. So this picture represents two different stories of time with in my own life. On the left is uh, my grandfather. And on the right was my pastor all the way up until my junior year of high school. Uh, When I was eight years old, my grandpa started driving to our house about ten minutes away from the family farm, picking me up uh, during the summer months and taking me to work on the farm with him. And taught me how to build fence, taught me how to operate equipment, uh, really was this type of time with. If you know me at all, you know that come spring or fall, uh, if you want to meet with me, I'm going to invite you out to the field to ride in the tractor with me. Um, because that's where, uh, that's a happy, that's just a happy place for me. I love the chance to get to do that. And that is largely as a result of time with that was intentionally invested. And at the time, when I was younger, I didn't really value that at the level that I value it now. 
I didn't realize what was happening in those moments. And for those of you who have children or grandchildren that you're investing time with right now and you go, it doesn't really seem like they enjoy it a whole lot. Trust me, the time will come. The time will come when they will recognize in some level what that actually looked like or meant. It may not be today. In fact, I sat down with my grandpa this last year and I, I shared that with him. And I said, I want you to know, I, I recognize it was a lot of sacrifice for you to drive two ways each day to pick me up and take me home all, from eight years old until I could drive at 16. And um, his immediate response was, well, why in the world when you were younger did you behave like you did then? <laughs> I said, well, all of us take time, right? All of us take sharpening time. And I said... A kid's still a kid, eight-year-old boy, still an eight-year-old boy, right? And that's true. But the time with produced different results. Now, my pastor on the right, Al Summers, he pastored at Czech Row Community Church over by Avon. And Al was very intentional to take time with me, again as a young man. And specifically in my uh, late elementary school, junior high years, I remember... Really, two specific circumstances. The first was, I had a BB gun that wasn't sealing, and it was just having issues. And Al said, why don't you bring the BB gun over, we'll go to Casey's in Bushnell, and we'll get a burger and a soda, that was his thing, and uh, we'll come back to my house, and we'll just take it apart and see if we can fix it. And I'm going to tell you, we never fixed the BB gun. But the conversation that happened in between that was life-changing. That carried over to... The second instance I remember was actually a probably 10 to 15 minute conversation in Pastor Al's office where I was struggling with a lot of anger. And his response to me was, you can choose how you respond to this anger and it's going to determine who you become. You can either respond to the anger with more anger and you're just going to be angry. Or you can respond to that anger understanding what God in Christ has done for you and it's going to change your life. Now, here's why I bring that up. That 10 to 15 minute conversation was probably the first memorable moment in my mind that shifted me from the course I was on to the ministry that I'm doing today. A 10 to 15 minute conversation that was intentional time with. I don't know about you, but how many of us on a daily basis waste 10 to 15 minutes? We're like 10 to 15 minutes, more like a few hours, right? I want you to stop and think about this. And, and, and God works in significantly broader ways. Obviously, it wasn't just this 10 to minute, 15 minute conversation that transformed my life. God worked, has worked throughout the last 20 plus years since that conversation to transform and continue to mold and sharpen and put other people in my path to do that very thing. But here's what I want you to understand. It doesn't take as much as you think it does. Al passed away of cancer when I was a junior in high school. He, to this day, never got to see the fruit of that conversation. But I'm going to tell you, it's still producing. Don't undermine the conversations you will have this week that could produce generational, transformational fruit for decades to come. You stop and you think about that, and I want you in application to think about this question. Where are the people? And I want you, you could draw this little illustration. 
And think about this. Where in my life already do I have people in these four areas? And a better question may be for you to reflect on this week to ask the question. In my life where I live, work, play, and church, who is God calling me to pull closer? Who is the Lord laid on my heart that I can pull close for time with them? If you're a parent, you by default have younger people in your home that God has given you the responsibility to do this with. If you are married, you automatically have a built-in disciple-making partner. How cool is that? If you are a grandparent, you automatically have a responsibility to live and speak Jesus into the lives of your grandchildren, not just feed them candy. That's good too, but there's something more valuable, right? Where I work, who are the people I'm spending time with every day? And are, I have conversations with, how can those become gospel conversations? That's disciple making, family. That's disciple making. Where do you have hobbies? At the gym. Where you have recreation activities. Where other things are happening. Who are the people? And I would challenge you to put somewhere between two to four names in each of those categories. And then pray and say, Lord, I want to spend time with these people that's actually eternal in nature, not just worldly. What does that look like? Ask good questions. And we're going to talk more about that in the weeks ahead. What does that look like to sharpen one another? What does it look like to rub against each other? Not for just accomplishing earthly purposes, but more importantly, to accomplish the mission that Christ himself has given us. Now, one of my favorite parts of teaching in line with these is to give examples of where we see some of these things already happening, right? These are just a handful of pictures in, that I've seen visibly, and I'm, there's a couple more stories I'll share too. Um, our flower ministry, it takes place here at the church during the summer months. I don't know that most of you realize the amount of authentic disciple-making ministry that's happening in those times. As you have a diverse range of people who are helping do that. And in the midst of that, there's opportunity for conversations about real life and what's happening. And so we can look at the program and we can go, oh, look at the flower ministry and the people that are blessed through that. Yes, amen. But that's not the end of the story, is it? Stop and think about the conversations that are had in the midst of doing that. I think about this story down here at the bottom. And I've shared this with Bob before, but this was when my oldest daughter was working on her Pinewood Derby car and we went to Bob Grace's shop. And I have loved watching and seeing how Bob has seen his shop be a place where the gospel can be at work. Because he loves it. He loves having people there and working alongside of them. It's something he's already doing. And so now the question becomes, how can I do what I'm already loved doing and make it about Jesus? What does that look like? And then these two on the right illustrate my personal favorite opportunity for time with. And it's during the spring and fall seasons. And there's multiple aspects of this story. On the bottom right, uh, you can see one of the... Uh, Kingsley came and rode with me, I think, for most of the day as we uh, were picking corn. He'd never been in a piece of equipment like that before. And I learned more about his life, his struggles, his challenges. And we encouraged one another in Christ during those hours. But then up above that, that's my son, Braden, and my cousin, Nathan. And the really cool story there is Nathan and Braden are exactly the same age apart as me and Nathan. So when I was Nathan's age, Nathan's a freshman in college, 
um, Nathan was the little boy riding in my buddy's seat in the tractor. And now Braden, the minute Nathan enters the field, my son wants nothing to do with me. He's going to go ride with Nathan. And um, the cool aspect of that is, I mean, even just this last week, um, my cousin Nathan called me to share with me some updates in his life. And we prayed together and there's ministry there. And I see the same being poured into my son. It's multiple generations of opportunity. Beyond that, I think of a single mom in our church who felt that God was calling her to reach out to other single moms. And so she prayed and was led to someone who'd been in her life for a long time. So she started having meal with that person once a month and encouraging them in Christ. I think of a group of guys in our church family who like board games and saw an opportunity to try and get together once a month just to play board games and invite people who they work with into those spaces that they might be exposed to a different way of living. I think of conversations that people have had in the gym that have turned into real-life opportunities for non-muscular growth together. Numerous of you who look for opportunities to take people out for lunch after church, invite people into your homes, or reach out weekly to specific people to encourage them or pray with them. Family, that's what disciple-making is. It starts with us realizing that I already have time with these people. And then asking, how can I make sure the time with these people is sharpening us to be more and more like Jesus? So this is really practical in nature. And at the end of the day, I want you to recognize when you hear this verse, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another to say, man, I'm going to be present with people. And I'm going to exhort effort that not, not only that they would be sharpened, but that I would be sharpened alongside of them. And I'm going to invest the time, whether it's years or minutes, to declare that there is hope in Jesus. There's something different about life in Christ from anything else that I've experienced in this world. And I want you to know about it. So come with me and let's follow Jesus together and encounter something that's far more hopeful, far more giving of peace and is secure because it has nothing to do with what we've done. And everything to do with what God in Christ has already accomplished. Amen. The worship team is going to come and we're going to we're going to just going to sing the chorus of that song we sang earlier. Jesus, son of God. But as we do so, we've been saying this every week as a way to refocus our attentions and fix our eyes where they should be. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And we're going to say this together and. Uh, my prayer is that you would work at memorizing this and uh, tack on to it, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. Every one of us should be able to have that passage memorized today. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That we would carry that into this week and live it out practically. Let's, let's say this together as we prepare to go from here, family. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me a disciple-making way of life in Christ Jesus. As I go through every part of this day, help me to love you and love the people who cross my path, starting with my family. Don't let me miss the adventures you are sending my way to live and speak the good news about Jesus today. Draw my heart to you and to specific people you want me to pull close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships. By your word and spirit. Transform me 
into a follower of Jesus who loves you, loves people, and makes disciples who make more disciples ad infinitum. In Jesus' name.